The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. There we go. Yes. Bears over beers. What am I doing on this show, man? It's like <laughs> you're back in the right place, Lester. You're back in the right place. <laughs> Uh, yeah. We started doing this a long time ago. Um, obviously, JB and I kicked off Bears Over Beers, but some people might not know that it was you that made that happen because both Jeff and I had come to you and said, I want to start a podcast like at the same time. And he was like, yeah. you two should talk to each other. So that was the birth of Bears Over Beers. So this is really like the Godfather Returns. How are you, man? Okay. I'm doing good, man. This is exciting. Uh you know, it's I, I've guessed it on the show a few times, but now I guess technically I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a fill-in host with because JB's off. We did Bears uh, Bear and Balanced a couple days ago, and we had Taylor sitting in uh, for JB with me, and that's awkward. And, and now here I am filling in for JB here, so it's it's awkward. But you know, we're gonna get through it. You know, I, I made sure I went out and got a beer. I, I put a poll up on, on the old Twitter, and I, I I let the people decide my my fate. So. That's a, it's a risky proposition. I do that occasionally <laughs> on bootleg. I make sure I control the options because I, I don't want to have to drink like Clorox. Yeah. And uh, what did you, this is, this is momentous. A lot of people don't know that Lester's not a big, he's not a big drinker. He's not a big no. beer fan, certainly. So he's indulged us several times when he's come on the show and, and sort of begrudgingly tried things. So what did the people decide? So, so my plan was I originally had different. I was gonna go a different direction. I was gonna go like something like old school, like like Mickey's or like oh Schlitz, yeah Schlitz malt liquor, just a forty, just something old school, like you know from back in the day. But but when I got to the to the store today, I look around, I'm like, they didn't they didn't have anything like that. And I'm like, Come on, how did they not have? So I was so I was thinking about going with like you know old style, keep it classic, and then I saw. A, a, a gummy IPA, gummy bear, and I saw a cookies and cream stout. And I'm like, well, JB loves his his sweet cookies and cream. Stout. That's a JB beer. And then I'm like, well, Halloween's around the corner. Let's go gummy. So I put those two on the poll, and and the winner was uh, Sweetwater's Gummies Fruit Punch IPA. And I have no <laughs> idea what's going to taste like. It's 9.5 percent alcohol. So. Let's go. Uh, I'm not a drinker, so by the time this show is over, we're using about 45 minutes to an hour. It might kick me here. All right, we're gonna have some fun then. I'm excited. Um, and, and, and for me, bear fruit punch. Do you have, oh. a, do you have a do you have a, a beer today, or do you have bourbon? I know sometimes you got a little uh, harder stuff. Sometimes we do, but the bears have been rolling. Typically, we yeah. used to reserve 
bourbon over, yeah. you know, bears over bourbon for when things were not going well. Um, but no, I brought a beer on. I've got uh, Icicle Brewing Company, which is right up in Leavenworth, Washington. Okay. And this is their Dirty Face Amber Ale, about half the alcohol of yours. It is 5% flat. Regular 12 ounce can. I've had this before. It's really good stuff, but we'll we'll save our reviews to the end. But let's get these puppies open and uh mine and is 19 ounces. Guy. Mine's a big guy. Oh, 19 at 9.5. We are gonna have some fun. This is gonna let's be go. great. Let's oh, there's go. the pop. That's right. Best smells, sound ever. Smells fruity. I, <laughs> I imagine it does. If it's gummy bear fruit punch, if it didn't smell fruity, I'd be <laughs> oh so how is it <laughs> you know what it actually uh comes a little late like it first tastes like the like the nasty ipa that i'm expecting but then yeah. the fruit the fruit notes come a little later okay so now as it as i'm sitting here i'm like well i guess that's not too bad all right scrubs it off your tongue at least it's in the right order it doesn't leave you with the taste as the last taste that you really didn't want <laughs> um kind of like the bears but anyways that's a whole different story um so you might not know i was on a couple of chargers podcasts last night one of them came out uh today which is actually the podcast associated with the chargers guilty as charged um those guys are great uh they had initially asked us to come on uh sort of post-draft august time frame uh talk about the chargers draft class because we really liked a lot of the chargers draft picks and they were excited about that we felt really bad. We had to hang those guys up because we became the victim of our own choices and ran out of time. Uh, they were gracious enough to have us back as the Bears are traveling to play the Chargers this year. Had a great time with those guys. And then another podcast uh, reached out uh, because they had asked their listeners, hey, they do a preview podcast. And they said, hey, who should we have to preview the Bears? And apparently a bunch of their listeners said me, which is weird to me but i agreed to go on with him as well that's the lightning round podcast that one hasn't come out yet but i think it will tomorrow so i've been talking chargers bears for the last 24 hours at least anyways but um how are you feeling about this game because the bears roll into it on a two-game win streak which we really can't claim that since forever yeah i mean they've won two of the last three and they've looked pretty good in those two wins obviously they had that stupid viking game sandwich between them which really stinks because the offense was cooking like two weeks in a row with Justin Fields. He had, you know, eight touchdown passes in those games, you know, 600 some odd yards. And we thought, okay, maybe things turn the corner. Then of course, the wow, wow, wow. yeah, it's like, what is happening? The, the, it seemed like they kind of, it, it's almost like Luke Getze has to do Luke Getze what he wants to do. He kind of went back to kind of some of the stuff. He stopped rolling Justin out. You know, I think there was, I think I saw a stat and only two play action uh, passes the, the whole game there it's like what are we doing and then of course he gets injured Tyson Bajan comes out of nowhere and has a nice very efficient game last week so two out of three the offenses looked good you know and and and, and three or four games the defense what is going on with coach Eberflus's defense all of a sudden it looks like a a capable NFL unit well adjustments we didn't see any adjustments over the first month and that Really didn't matter whether Alan Williams was calling the defense or then to Eberflus. Uh, that transition was obviously rough and unplanned, and it felt a little bit, in hindsight, like Eberflus said, hey, I know I'm taking over. I'm just going to keep everything the same, keep everybody happy. Like I'm not going to start throwing all kinds of 
crazy adjustment. Well, the NFL doesn't work like that. Week to week, you need adjustments. The vanilla rush for very few stunts, almost no defensive back blitzes through the first month were really damning in terms of an NFL performance. Like it was not an NFL caliber defense. Just like you said, it started to look over the past two to three weeks, like an NFL caliber defense. We're seeing more stunts. We're seeing him bringing defensive backs off the edge with regularity, whether it's Gordon or Brisker. And that's having some effect. And the other thing is the secondary has gotten healthier, right? They're getting guys back. Brisker's coming back to full strength. Jalen Johnson missed a game, came back. Uh, Kyler Gordon back in a lineup. So you're just getting more dudes. And at the bottom line, the NFL is a dude league. You you got to have athletes out there. And they've invested really heavily in the secondary, but a lot of those guys have missed games this year, and they're starting to get back healthy. We saw it a little bit. Same thing on the offensive line, right? Starting to finally see some of the combinations that they hoped for in preseason. And, you know, the right side of the line last week looked really good. Like six-plus yards of carry. Nine first downs, ton of efficiency, running behind those two big young guys. That's great, but they're starting to get some guys back, and you combine, sprinkle in a little actual creativity, a little gamesmanship about what the defense is going to expect to see, and the results are better. Yeah, it's just uh, it's 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 interesting how when you have a an efficient offense, when things are clicking. You know, mm. it helps the defense so much, and that's something we had, the Bears haven't had. I mean, the Bears have not had a, a full team you know, come together and have both sides of the ball play pretty good, you know, in a long time. We talked about the Vikings game. The Vikings game, the defense was outstanding. Well, they gave up 12 points, I think, total in, in mm-hmm. the game, and uh, the offense could do nothing. You know, it's uh, Fields threw a pick, Bajan threw a pick, or, or had, had the fumble. It was yeah, the fumble so early. Yep. It was just like, you know, here we are. You know, we, 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 like, we think <laughs> it's happening, and, and nothing works. But now, here we are, man. It's, it's the offense is efficient, you know, with Bajan's. The defense is is good. You know, they're even getting some sacks every now and again. And it's like you talk about that that old school mentality. You know, you, you can't just roll them out there. It's not this isn't Brian Urlacher, or Lance Briggs, you know, it's not Tommy Harris. You can't just roll out to Tampa two and say, We're fine. You know what I mean? You you gotta, like you said, make adjustments and and Coach Luke's is doing it, man. He, I don't think he's he's blitzed as much in his career. You kind of talked about it a few weeks ago. It's just not what he likes to do, but he has to do it. He's forced to do it and we saw him get five sacks against the Washington, you know, partly because the offense was putting up points. The Absolutely. offense keeps the offense keeps playing, man. You can pin pin it back and get after it. And that, that's what I want to see. That's what I think we all want to see as Bears fans. Well, that that was, I think, the best part of Tyson Bajan's first full start, not coming in in relief, was that he really showed a knack to avoid the negative plays. And people might yes. say, oh, that, that sounds like a backhanded compliment. For a rookie quarterback playing – literally his first full game in the NFL. That's not a backhanded compliment. That's a straight up compliment. That is the undoing of a lot of rookie starters. We've seen it with Bryce Young, right? Number one overall pick in Carolina. He's he's trying to make plays. He feels pressure as the centerpiece of that offense to go for it. When a lot of times that's what the defense wants you to do because you're going to yeah. toss it up. It's going to give them extra possessions. Bader showed a lot of, well, I would say an extreme amount of restraint and whether that's restraint or just checking it down, like he only had like four throws over 10 yards, only two completed. Most of the others were under six yards. His average depth of target was like 4.2, like not sustainable moving forward, but as a game plan for a rookie to keep him comfortable in his first game, it's exactly what they needed. 
And I think all the rest of the offense, I said this to the guilty as charged guys really rallied. It was very obvious that they all realized like, Hey, that's not Justin Fields back there. He's not going to go win us the game. He is a rookie in his first full start. He's a D2 guy, UDFA. Like we all have to bust our tails if this is going to work. And everybody, running backs, offensive linemen, receivers, everybody's fighting for the extra yard, keeping the extra block, doing all the things you need to do to win football games. It wasn't Bajan in his arm. He was distributing, and everybody was just grinding to try and make that happen. And then you started to get momentum. Offense was able to stay on the field, sustain drives, get a few points. People start getting charged up. Defense gets a little more rest than it's had in weeks lately. And you look at it and you go, okay. He avoided big plays for the other team. He didn't hand possessions back to them. He put the hands of the balls, you know, put the ball in the hands of the guys that get paid more than he does to go get it down the field. And they all did that. That's not bad. It's not sustainable, but that's okay. It doesn't need to be. Tyson Bajan is just who he needed to be as a number two backup quarterback as a rookie. I think he performed admirably and a lot of people are saying well he's not this and he's not this and they're comparing him to guys who've been in the league for 10 years well no he's not but for what he was he was really solid now can the bears just sort of port that strategy week to week and win no (laughs) as soon as they get tape and everybody starts squatting on those short routes it's going to get real difficult but we're going to start to see the game plan open up again as he gets more comfortable more time so it'll be a fascinating balance to see which of those things happens first or best Um, but it was an impressive performance by a guy that, um, I was middle of the road on coming out. Um, and I was really impressed by in the preseason. I think he absolutely won the job over PJ Walker. I think it was the right call to keep him over PJ Walker. And even now, I mean, just compare PJ Walker's start last week and his start. Like I'll take Bajan's start over what PJ Walker did last week. And that's not something I would have said in the preseason. That's not something I did say in the preseason um, when we were reviewing teams. And I really liked the PJ Walker move. I thought this is, this is a good move. And he came out and just, he was super flat. He didn't really show really a mesh with this offense. And Bajan did. And, you know, credit the Bears for making a good choice at quarterback. They don't always do that, whether it's starter or backup. Um, and credit Bajan for coming out and delivering in a tough spot. He looked cool, calm, collected. And, you know, the Bears get a win. And that's rare and impressive. <laughs> you know, he didn't look like a rookie. That's the one thing no. I like. Like when I was watching it live, I'm like, man, he, he looks pretty good. Again, it's it's a lot of, uh, you know, safe stuff. He's being smart with the football. But but that's part of going through your growing pains as an NFL quarterback, you know. And, you know, we see plenty of rookies when they get in mm-hmm. there. They, they just, you know, the, the, it, I'm not saying it overwhelms them. But they're just not expecting some things to happen the way it was. And, and it seemed like nothing phased Bajan. You know, he went through his progressions, you know, calmly. Uh, he, he moved out of the pocket when he had to. He scrambled, I think, three times. You know, he got some yards picked up. He, he was fired up, you know. And then, it, like you said, it's you talk about the, the right side of the line. You know, Darnell Wright at right tackle, he was playing at least half the game with one arm. You know, the, the, the all 22, I, I, like when I watched it live, I didn't notice. You know, I, I knew he had a bum shoulder going in, but I, I didn't pick up on a watching live. When I went back and watched the All-22, it yeah. was actually – yeah, it was just, just one arm. The whole time it was one, yeah. one hand up. I'm like, how is this even possible? And why are the Raiders not attacking his inside shoulder more? Which is like 
Did they not realize that's happening with him? But but the Bears did a great job with helping him. They had uh, mm-hmm. Komet over there, Mercedes Lewis a couple times. You know, they were really helping that side. Uh, with, with the running backs also helping Chip on that side. It was a good game plan all around. And now this week, Braxton Jones, uh, his 21-day window is open for left tackle. Maybe he comes back. We'll see how that goes there. That'll kick Larry Borum back to the bench if Braxton can start. Or it may let him move him to right side and let Darnell Wright take a week off because, I mean, if you can't use your arm, I mean, yeah. you know, it was great for him to go out there and gut it out. But it's like at some point you got to like, hey, man, let's sit it down for a week. Let's have another guy, you know, take those take take a week from you. But uh, I'm, I'm not a big Borum fan. I think Borum's fine. He's okay as a swing guy. But uh, I don't want to see Darnell Wright injure himself severely. No, I don't think anybody wants to see that because he's shown improvement every week, last week, incredibly gutsy, gritty performance, whatever you want to say, because he was still out there taking guys on with just one arm. And it was very clearly yeah. in the second half, if you haven't seen the all 22, especially from the end zone angles, he he's literally hanging his left one arm on his side and, and pushing guys around with one arm. Like he's pushing Max Crosby around with one arm. That's crazy. Max Crosby's the best edge rusher in the league. And he's got three more this week as he rolls into the Chargers. You know, good old Bears friend, Khalil Mack, Bosa, and Tuli Tuli Peloto, who is an amazing rookie. Like, guy wanted for the Bears coming out of USC, has exceeded every expectation, completely versatile, is lighting guys up inside alignment, outside alignment. Um, Dug this stat up yesterday has the most uh, snaps in press coverage for any edge in the NFL. Wow. He has 11 snaps in press coverage, uh, which is more than any other edge in the NFL. So, you know, incredibly versatile guy, but has provided them and their pass rush um, in LA more juice uh, than just the two big stalwarts is a great edge setter against the run plays super tough really smart understands stunts so it's not like Wright's going to get any break this week rolling in to play the chargers like that's no. that's three killers so um if they could swing Borum to the right side i would you know if there's any chance he's going to put more damage on that shoulder which i can't believe that there isn't um because it's a really hard thing to do play offensive line without a shoulder um I would prefer that they don't run him out there because he is starting to look like a guy that's going to be somebody the Bears count on for a long time. It's a high draft pick, and one game's not going to matter. If he can get some rest, get some get some strength back in that shoulder, that's great. Um, but it's hard to believe that if he couldn't use it at all one week ago, that suddenly it's going to be fine against three guys that are incredibly powerful and know how to run rush the passer yeah i guess in the game he got stepped on too so he's he's uh he's, he's got a toe too he's got yeah. a toe too it's like come on let's just let's just give him a break you know but again yeah. it's all up to i mean if braxton's back i mean he was limited today at practice on on wednesday um he is in his window um we'll see how he progresses you know if, if not then i guess you got to turn to Avante Collins, if uh, Avante Collins, yep. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. There, that's probably not the best way to go. And then, of <laughs> course, you know, there's people, of course, on social media saying, "Well, move Tevin Jenkins back to right tackle if you have." Oh to. man, uh, yeah. I, I wasn't happy that he got moved to the to the right guard as it was. 
Um, he said he was fine with it. I mean, he did it all last year, so I guess the muscle memory is kind of still in there somewhere. So he had a good game. You know, I was fine with it. And and Whitehair at, at left guard, he had a good game. And then Lucas Patrick at center, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, the interior looked decent. That was the, the biggest Yeah, yeah exactly. Lucas Patrick, who really, for all of his time in a Bears uniform, has never really had a great performance. He's had some steady ones, a couple of stable ones, and he's had a lot of bad ones. He's had a lot of performances where he got pushed around last year. He never really seemed like he was healthy early in this year. It still didn't seem like he was holding up against those interior guys. He's maybe the best snapper on the team, which many folks on Twitter reminded me of. They're like, but he can snap. And I was like, yeah, but there's that troublesome blocking thing. Yeah. He's got to do that too. And then he comes out and he's fired up. He's turning guys. And I was like, where'd this come from? Like, that's what we all hope for when he was signed, when Getty came over. Hey, he can teach people the offense and, you know, hey, Green Bay linemen, they tend to be pretty good. No, nah, nah, he never showed any of that for the Bears. And then last week out of nowhere, like all of a sudden he's good. And I was like, huh, that's odd. <laughs> well, maybe he's starting to get healthy. I mean, he had a lot of injuries last year so. for the Bears. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he, he was his film was OK in Green Bay. You know, I wasn't expecting him to be coming to be a, a Pro Bowl type player when the Bears got him. I thought he'd be serviceable like you said yeah, help solid. help teach the offense just be a guy and you know and in this last week you know maybe it's all coming together so at some point the bears are going to have nate davis back and if braxton jones healthy you're gonna have you know darnell right healthy and then we, are we going to see the five they want which was white hair at center i really think the white hair at center ship has sailed i mean i don't think we can go back to white hair i know they didn't bench him because of the snaps but what they said they said oh we want more experience center blah 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 whatever flu said he was benched because his snaps were awful. So you cannot go back to him at center. Uh, I hope they don't play this game with Tevin Jenkins and, and White here with the rotation at guard. It's like, look, just plug your guys in there, however it's going to be. Yep. When Nate Davis is back, it's high ankle sprain, no IR. So maybe three or four games will be back. And he, he was playing good football. Starting to, for sure, yeah. So, so I think it might be Cody Whitehair to the bench, and I think you may roll with Patrick at your center. And I don't think that's a bad thing because I, I think it's a little like, you know, PATs used to be before they moved them back, right? It was the most automatic play in football and like snapping the football. Like when you get to the NFL level, nobody really talks about it, right? Yeah. It's not like, oh, the snapper rankings this week came out for regular centers, not long snappers. Like, no, you, you know, you snap the ball by the time you get to the NFL. Well, Cody struggled with it even when he played center early in his career. And so if the bears are really counting on him to play center, I think a lot of us could have raised our hand and said, well, unless he's cleaned up his snapping issues, there's, there's an issue with that. He was clearly a better blocker than Patrick yeah. was at the pivot. But if you're starting off every play or five or six plays a game as a circus, like, can you catch it? I dare you. Like, that's not a recipe for success. That can kill your play right there. So I'm with you. I don't want to see. I'm done with white hair at center. I'm not done with white hair. Just done with him at center. Don't put him back there. If Patrick can be solid and serviceable and they can get Tevin and Nate and, you know, we get right healthy and, and no more damage to the shoulder. And then Braxton comes back from the neck, which is amazing. We we certainly all hope that would be the case, but neck injuries and linemen, you know how that goes. It's not necessarily a guarantee. If that turns out to be at some point, any point in the season, the starting five, 
I will be celebrating wildly because that is a serviceable NFL offensive line. I'm not talking about great. They might be 20th. They might be 18th. They might be 12th. I don't know, but that is a serviceable NFL offensive line. And with all the rotations, correct me if I'm wrong, but they have not started the same starting five once this year. I don't think so. It's it had been a, a, I don't think so. A, a mix and match pretty much every yeah. week. And every uh, week. I, I saw a stat last week. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but like something like 24 games in Coach Flusher. There's been like 30 different combinations on the on the old line. It's just like, yeah, you know, it, like you need that continuity up front. You know, yeah. that's a, that's a team within a team, you know, and uh, the Bears just didn't have it. And they haven't. And it's really been the thing that's undercut, especially early on the offensive success. Like you, if you're start, like I said, if you're starting every play with the circus and then continuing, because that wasn't the end of their issues. It wasn't like, oh, if they can just solve snapping there are multiple issues with the offensive line. And it's really been something that you know, you just look at as a, as a fan or an analyst and say, man, they're not going to go anywhere until they get this like solidified. It doesn't have to be NFL best, but it's gotta be not an absolute clown show every week. And they haven't been able to combine or get any consistency out of those lineups or the players within those lineups. Cause sometimes some of those guys have had good games and other guys same week fall off. And like you said, team within a team, weakest link, all that. Uh, good to see Julian here. She says, we still need a center. Yes. We're not saying we don't. Uh, I have not changed my tune. Julie, you know, I wanted a center in the last draft for the bears. Um, and I, I believe that's still a target. There are some (laughs) in this draft, which means they will be more highly valued because there's not as many last year. There was a great supply of centers. Um, I haven't checked out free agency yet for centers specifically, but this year's draft class, there's a few that look like they're going to be sought after. And there's always a couple more that bubble up through the process, but again, not necessarily anybody you want to drop into an NFL starting lineup and count on for a full season. So going to be a little bit tougher. Would have liked to see them do that last year, just because supply was equal to at least demand. This year doesn't look like it's going to be that way, but yeah, the need still exists. I, I would imagine that, uh, I mean, if Ryan Poles is still the, the GM in the offseason, that's, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I would imagine he has to understand that's that's going to be a, a focal point. I mean, this last offseason, the plan was Cody Whitehair. You know, that was the plan, Cody Whitehair. And and they figured, well, we got also have Lucas Patrick. So in case yeah. something goes wrong with, with Cody, we got Lucas. And then, of course, he's trade a sixth-round draft pick for Dan Feeney. It's like, you know – like what are they doing? Just throwing a bunch of little little things to bring guys in, and you yeah. know, and I, I really think they got it at some point. It's it's funny because centers are always undervalued in the draft. We yeah. see it every year. Oh, this guy's going to fall. You, you can get a good center in in, in, in mm-hmm. you know, day three. Day you know, you can find a guy in, in the fourth round. But if you have a good one, if you have a good center, that sets the whole line up. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're making the calls. You know, they're they're, they're the leader of that unit. I never understood why centers weren't more valued. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't understand it because when look at the Eagles, you know, Jason Kelsey, you know, mm-hmm. when you have a good center, everything kind of falls into place, you know? And so I, I really hope they do draft a center this year. Um, and I, I know when to get closer to draft season, I'll be checking out some of your rankings, see who, who you have, where you have, because the bears need it, you know? Yeah, there's a couple, there's, there's a few guys. I too have been keeping my eyes on centers and, um, 
I'm lucky enough to get to talk to Brandon Thorne every once in a while. We were talking pre-show about college all-star games, but Brandon's also down in Texas. So I might get to see him this January when I go down there. Um, but fantastic resource in terms of offensive line. I think the best guy going in terms of evaluating offensive line play from yeah. an analyst perspective right now. And uh, yeah, I occasionally I'll, I'll watch tape first and then I'll bounce my thoughts off him and he'll tell me why I'm stupid and I love it. Um, <laughs> It's it's great to have that kind of honesty and and it's just another thing to be able to sort of increase my understanding of of those positions. But uh, centers will be a focal point for me this offseason because I I thought they needed one last year. They thought differently. I understand why they thought that. Turns out, you know, if it worked out and Lucas Patrick had come out healthy and been average all year, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Like we'd be ah, Patrick's fine. Like and. We may be that way, hopefully, by the end of the season, but I still want at least a young center behind him that I have some confidence in. Um, not a big Doug Kramer guy. Wasn't I was going to ask you, what, what about Doug? No, I, I know they were counting on him in the rotation. It really is as like three, but I, I, you know, there were other linemen, including um, linemen that we interviewed at Shrine Bowl that were on the Illinois line. And so I watched a bunch of the Illinois offensive line that year that Kramer came out and, uh, you know, he, he was kind of the ultimate, just a guy. Um, and you talk about the importance of center and, and having a good one, having a difference maker. And there are other guys that have come out in the draft. Uh, Tyler Fortner was a guy that I really liked coming out. He went around higher than people thought he did. He's anchoring the middle of the Jacksonville line. Um, Juice Scruggs this year, we interviewed him. We really liked him. We thought maybe he was a third rounder and we, had some shine on him. So we thought, ah, maybe he's actually a fourth rounder went in the second round. Yeah. So talk about being overvalued. Like, um, again, when guys impress teams in the room and they have solid film, people go, we can lock that guy up. He's, he's, we already know he's super tough. He's really smart. He's played a bunch of different systems. We like his demeanor. We like how he leads. They're going to go get him. And it happened a couple of times this year in the draft where guys went a, a good full round earlier than I thought kind of was even the earliest for them. And it was like, okay, <laughs> like teams really believed in those guys. Okay, sweet. Yeah. I know the bears were, were rumored. Uh, a few people had him rumored to go after Scruggs. That was one of the guys that we heard. A few, few people had out there that they yeah. liked the interview with him. But like you said, he went a little earlier than everyone thought. So it kind of, yeah. you know, they, they were, they were left, uh, you know, out of luck there and, you know, they went, there was the still other guys. Yeah, there, there, there were guys. There were center, like yeah. the the guy that's played already uh, a couple of games for the Seahawks, who was drafted in the sixth. Olu, um, you know, I never understood why he wasn't ranked more highly coming out of Michigan. He was a very solid center. Uh, they were Joe Morgan Award winner that year. Like uh, it's it's a really or sorry, Joe Moore. I said Joe Morgan. Thinking baseball, you know, playoffs. But, yes, sir, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, so I thought, and he was still available late. Um, uh, Luke Wiper from Ohio State was available late. He hasn't played much yet, but doesn't mean he's not good. Again, you had some chances to take some guys that might fill in, and they just didn't. And I was stunned then, still kind of stunned now. Um, and... Fitzy says, still don't understand the Feeney trade acquisition. I, I think it is panic. You say, just was it just a panic move for a center backup uh, value more for depth, all three interior positions? I don't really think so. I I think they 
they being polls and, and the front office said, we're, we're out of centers. Yeah. We're literally going to be starting Kramer who wasn't, you know, fully healthy either. Like is, <laughs> is this what we're down to? What can we go get for a low round pick? Somebody that has a little bit of starting experience, uh, you know, and you never know, like you never know exactly what the connection is in terms of, you know, did the area scout, scout him when he was coming out or did his team acquire him as a free agent or, you know, did the assistant GM have a relationship with his college coach? There's always something. And usually when something has to happen fast and this move absolutely felt like one of those has to happen fast type moves, you never really know where that connection is. Usually you can dig it up after it happens. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't gone back on Feeney and figured out what the connection was to the Bears front office, but it happened pretty quickly. And it was, we just need a freaking center. Like we need a warm body that can get out on the field and snap the ball. And, you know, Feeney is largely in the NFL or has been so far, just a guy doesn't mean that he'll always be that, but nothing particularly special. And yeah, it was a, we don't have any, we need to get one period. That's it. Let's go. Yeah. There was the Cody white hair injury to his hand. Lucas Patrick was digged up in camp. Doug Kramer had an injury happened. You know, then of course, you know, Kramer goes on IR when the season starts. The yep. Feeney move, I think, was definitely a, a panic move. And then I actually reached out to a couple of people that covered the Dolphins. And you know, it looked like Feeney was he wasn't really on the bubble, but his his starting place <laughs> was no longer there in, in Miami. Like they had a couple of young guys they liked a little better. So he wasn't even gonna be the first swing guy either. Mm-hmm. So he was expendable. Um, uh, they don't think they were going to cut him. Uh, they think he still would have made the team. But the fact that they got a, a six-round draft pick for a guy that was going to be pretty much on their bench all year, uh, that's yeah. a good deal for them. And, and at some point, he may play for the Bears. I mean, he's injured now. Uh, he got dinged up, uh, I think, last uh, last week in practice. So he really hasn't played much, um, if at all, for the Bears this whole season. But uh, if, if Patrick's fine, like you said, maybe he turned a corner. You know, maybe he is who who the Bears got now because he's he's over the injury from last year. He no more club on his hand, you know, whatever the ailment was in this training camp. Maybe he's fine. You know, we got to do something. <laughs> we got to hope. <laughs> yeah. I don't think hope's a strategy, but we got to hope. Yeah. And then uh, to Tyree Carter, he was getting some center reps at his senior bowl a couple years back. I'm not sure yeah. if the Bears have done that yet. I, I heard some people that thought they said they thought he was doing some center reps, but Regardless, Tyree Carter is a guy that, you know, he's played both guard spots. Mm-hmm. And then in practice, uh, he had he was getting some left tackle reps. And then this last game, he played at right tackle. So yeah. Tyree Carter, you know, he was a tackle in college at, at Southern, mm-hmm. you know, moved inside. But now they, they like him enough to kind of, hey, you know, you may be the guy that kind of pops all around the line and, and provides, you know, versatility all over the place. And so, so maybe we talk about Collins plugging in the right tackle. Maybe it's a Tyree Carter plugging in the right tackle. Could be. They're gonna they're gonna really stress themselves to get the best five out there because they've had a little taste, and I do mean a little taste. It's a one game sample size of offensive line, not just competency, but actually like, hey, this is something we can lean on in the offensive game plan. Like things were going well. They ran right in that game and they picked them up. Like they picked up those first downs. They haven't had that all year, and I am sure they don't want to give ground on that. They want to like build from here and go forward. Again, you know, not counting any more injuries. Let's hope those don't happen. But 
they're going to look to make sure that that unit stays as strong as possible. Now, they've done that in some weird ways in the past by heavy-duty shuffling, which no, not you, not me, not JB, none of us are fans of that approach. Um, we hope that the Bears keep guys in positions where they excel and then find the best possible replacement for a guy that goes down or needs a week off if that's the case with Darnell Wright. Who knows? Maybe it's to Tyree Carter. Like, it's possible. I'm with you. If Tevin's playing well, finally, at either guard spot, and he's played yeah. well at both guard spots, but, like, just keep him there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just keep waiting, and this is just a little internal twitch of me being a Bears fan is like, oh, Tevin repped at center today. They want to see oh. if it'll work. And I'm just like, no, don't do it. Um. Yeah. So, you know, when you see a guy, especially a young guy, repping well at a spot and do what you can to keep him there. And some, I understand, it's been a bit of a disaster scenario with the Bears and the offensive lines here. Sometimes you feel compelled to do something just to make it work. Whenever you can avoid that, it's better. <laughs> like when you talk to offensive linemen, they all want to tell you they're versatile, but if if you really talk to them long enough or they trust you and they'll tell you the truth, they want to stay at one or two spots and usually on the same side. Yeah. Like some guys will say, Hey, it's not a big deal. I can go to either side. Most guys will say, look, if, if they don't want to rep me, I'd rather be a tackle, but if they don't want to rep me a tackle, put me a guard, but keep me on the right side. So my footwork's the same. My hands the same. Like that's, you know, that's not what people say in a recruiting scenario, which is an all-star game because they want to they want to push versatility that, you know, the more you can do, the higher you're going to go in the draft. But if, if you get candid moments with offensive linemen, none of them are like, oh, I want to play everything. Like they might want to learn to play everything. But if you ask them if they have a favorite spot, they they do. Well, I think you have to uh, like a guy like Tevin Jenkins. He, he was a high draft pick. He's a starter. Let him be in his spot. A, yes. a guy like Tyree Carter, he's a reserve. He has to kind of play all over the place to get to get himself on the on the field. So it's like you have to kind of weigh who you have on your roster. You know, if you know this guy is one of your core guys going forward, don't mess with this guy. That's why I was so irritated when I heard he was flipping over back to the right side. He said he was fine. He was fine. It worked out for him. Um, but you know, I think we should take a quick break here, or JB will kill me because I haven't done that yet, and it's been. Uh, <laughs> You know, 37 like minutes. Uh, minutes. Okay. Was right. that okay? Okay. You know, totally what does he always say? We'll let someone else pay for the beers and we'll be right back. That's right. Here, here. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it is what it is, uh, Tevin Jenkins. It's going to be funny when JB goes back and listens to this. He's like, man, it's like I'm back in, in the old show, the 
fair and balanced. All our O-line talk, trench tributes. You sure, know, you, sure. You, you know, I'm, I'm on this show. I'm, I'm kind of steering everything not? towards the old, eh, it's fun that How way. How can you we know? not exactly. take advantage of your expertise? No, no one I'm, cares about the, the skill guys. Let's talk about the big guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's, it's interesting as they look forward to this game against the Chargers. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how do you think they can win it, right? You know, there's a lot of ways of, oh, they can keep it even or keep it close or whatever. But if they really want to win it, like, how do you think they could win it? What do you think they need to do to be there in the fourth quarter? Because that's what it's about in a road game, any road game. Like, any team will tell you, this is a tough league to win games in. And if you can keep it close in the fourth quarter, it's great. Yeah, oh, sure, we'll blow them out in the first three quarters. Well, yeah, duh, everybody'd love to do that. But especially on the road, Bears fans, I think, are going to travel pretty well. Usually the the few times I've been to SoFi, like the visitor's contingent's pretty large. People love to go to Southern California. The weather's good. There's a bunch of other attractions. It's an easy flight for the most part. Um, I think there'll be a lot of Bears fans in the stands, maybe not uh, as many Pittsburgh fans as were there for the game against the Rams, because that was like 80-20. That was Steelers travel. But what do you think the Bears need to do to stay in it in Southern California and have a shot to win it at the final bell? You know, I was looking over some of the numbers today, and I did not realize that Chargers have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. They're giving up the most passing yards of all 32 teams by average they already had their buy so they're giving up like 311 yards a game mm-hmm. i mean is tyson Bajan going to come out and they're going to throw it all over the place i don't think that's going to happen but i think they're going to try and stick to a similar game plan uh, <laughs> with with they want to you know run the ball establish the run you know work some play action stuff but i gotta think brandon Taylor is going to try and tighten his zones up he's going to say look Bajan, you have this 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 uh you don't have the arm you didn't show it yet we're going to take away some of the underneath stuff. We're going to take away some of your zones. We're going to tighten up our, our zone defense on you and see if you can go deep. If the Chargers do that, Bacon seems like he's the kind of guy that's fine. Let's do it. I'm going to go deep. <laughs> yeah, right? He, right? He has that moxie about him. I agree. It, 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 it may backfire on him, but, I mean, if he does start chucking the go, chucking, chucking the go routes, I mean – I trust going to DJ Moore if he's one-on-one. If I look out there and I see a DJ Moore one-on-one and there's a single high safety, you're on the sideline, and, and you, you know you got a shot, let's do it. Let's see what he does there. You're not wrong. The Chargers secondary has been trash. And in talking to the folks that cover the Chargers, the couple of podcasts I was on last night, they're super frustrated because to them, their secondary is a lot like uh, our offensive line. They've had some injuries, which has pulled guys into roles that they shouldn't be in. Um, and that's that's been troublesome. And then no matter what they've tried, like last year, they're really good at press. And this year they tried to play press again with the same a lot of the same guys. There hasn't been a ton of turnover in that secondary. And they were garbage. They got burned. So the coaching staff got, you know, gun shy. And pulled them all off and said, okay, we're going to play, we're going to play a softer zone, right? We're going to give you more cushion. And they've been crap at that. So they're sort of, uh, Chargers fans really feel like the secondary is, um, 
you know, betwixt and between. They can't press like they did last year, which is what they're really good at. Took them all the way to the playoffs, and then they lost their main press guy. And really, the the defense sort of cascading failure happened at that point because they didn't have the guy that they could just run up there and play hardcore press with. They started off like, hey, we're going to pick up where we left off. But as you know, every team every year is sort of a different movie. And it didn't work. So they were like, okay, now we're worried about getting you burned over the top because you're not able to get your hands on guys and press. So we're going to give you a little cushion. And teams started eating the cushion. And they've just been sort of yo-yo and not good at either. There hasn't been any moment throughout the season where the pass defense has really like solid it up, made a big stop. You know, they, they had a great rushing game, uh, you know, in terms of the running attack, the first week against Miami and yeah, first week, say what you will about it being weird. Like they've had some success there. We've seen Justin Herbert with hot throws, hot streaks, not again, a complete game, but like the secondary has just been like, there's no answers. They've moved them forward. They moved them backward. They've played man, they played zone and it's just been garbage. So I'm with you. If I look at what Bajan did as an opposing coach, I say, I'm going to smother everything short. I'm going to, I'm going to basically play variations of cover three. Um, you know, I'm going to play man. I'm going to play one rat. I'm going to stick an extra guy up in the box and just cover the middle zones and say, you're not, <laughs> you got an extra guy in the box to run against. You're not getting any free releases. I'm not giving you a whole bunch of five yard completions and speed outs. You are, you're going to, I'm going to challenge you to go over my head and you're going to have to do it a couple of times before I back off. Now, that's what I said to the Chargers guys, and they said, that sounds logical, so I don't think the coaches will do it. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens, but that seems like the game plan to me. If I just look at Tyson Bajan's passing chart from last week, everything six yards and under, I'm I'm clogging the short zones. I'm throwing everybody yeah. up there and saying, go ahead. I, I dare you, rookie. Like, chuck it over my head successfully a couple times, and we'll see. Then maybe I'll adjust, but until then, I'm going to be smoking – any kind of outside run, screen game, short hooks, flat, all the stuff he was hitting. Like, I'm just going to sit on all that stuff with extra guys. And yeah, then it, you know, shoves the onus to Tyson Bajan to go, all right, cue him up. You're going to get some one-on-ones. You're going to get some guys that like Mooney looked energized last week in a way yeah. that I haven't seen him all year. Like, let's see if we can get Mooney free down the seam. Use a little motion, do what you have to do steal some of McDaniel's plays from the dolphins. Like let's get him a free release at the snap and see if he can outrun one of those guys because you know, they've had some injuries as well. Um, the guy they got playing free safety has looked better than anybody else. They've had playing free safety at this point, but he's also allowing a lot of completions. So see if you can get one over on him, see if you can get a chunk play, see if that loosens them up and, and puts them back. And then we don't know what to do in our secondary. And then you're dictating. And that's great. If the bears can do that. It'll go a long ways. Um, but I don't even know if the Chargers are going to try that. They might just sit back in soft zones and say, take the eight-yard completions all day. And and Bajan has proved he's more than happy to do that. So, yeah. again, that that lines up pretty well in their favor. I think this game's actually going to be closer than a lot of people that don't watch either the Bears or the Chargers think it might be. I pick the Chargers to win, but I pick the Bears to cover. I think that's uh, I think it's gonna be a close game. I think they're they're gonna do some nice things. John Detalia here on Second City Ground has the has the key here, man. Keep Allen in check, shut down Palmer, continue with the good run defense. Uh, which man, the Bears run defense has been on fire lately. I saw a staff in Pro Football Focus today where like they're like leading the league in like uh, uh, yards 
before con I'm not sure what the hell the stat was. You know, one of those weird analytics. I don't know. Uh, it's not it's a weird nerd analytic. It's nerd yards stuff. before contact. That's the one. Running backs, right? Yes. So it's how far a running back gets before they actually yes. encounter a defender. And the Bears number is small. Smaller is better in that case. Uh, we were talking League about. leading. Yeah. We, yeah, we were talking about a, a team uh, in a preview this week where that number was four and a half, which means the running back had four and a half free yards for contact on average. That's not good. That's a terrible stat in that category. Bears have been much, much better than that. Yeah, it's in a, it's, the run game has been good. Keenan Allen is so good. He is just a, one of the one of those players like when the charges are on, I, you know, I try to make sure because he's just a fun player to watch. He's just so good at what he does. Um, it's going to be tough, though, man. But, but Jalen Johnson. Maybe he'll shadow him, um, but then of course he got Palmer on the other side. But but I think you know Tyree Stevenson looked pretty good. He's had his ups and downs as a rookie. All rookie corners suck. It's just what happens. But they 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 find their peaks and valleys. So hopefully this is be a, a peak game for Stevenson. And then Kyler Gordon in the slot. He's back now. He's playing good football. I, I think the Bears match up well here. So it's not going to be an eight and a half point spread like Vegas thinks. I do think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be closer because of a lot of things you mentioned. Again, the Chargers haven't always done the smart thing this year, and that's confounding their fans, much like Bears fans are confounded when we think, you know, the coaches that run the Bears don't do the smartest thing, uh, whether it's on defense and not adjusting or whether it's not leaning into offensive strengths or recognizing that when certain guys are out, you can't do things um, as well or maybe at all. Uh, there's been a lot of that with the Chargers. So while they might match up well, sort of like on a neutral field with all of us saying, well, this guy's good at this, so they should lean into that. They haven't necessarily done that, even with their draft picks, especially on offense. You mentioned Keenan. He's having a great season. He's a great player, but he's also having a great season. And ideally, yeah, you'd want your number one corner. on Flues typically doesn't float corners. Like Dylan yeah. plays one side, Tyreek plays the other. And if I'm the Chargers, I'm floating Keenan. I want him on Tyreek as many times as I can get it because Tyreek is big and physical and tough to match up with, but he's also been a flag magnet. And that was the book on him coming out was he was going to have to figure out what the NFL rules for contact were because they're not the same as college rules, and he was going to draw some. And he's continued to draw some, and now he's starting to draw the ticky-tack ones because he's got a bit of a rep. The one he got last week was pretty soft, but look, you're a rookie. And if you've been drawing flags for the first five or six weeks until you lay way the hell off, they're not going to stop throwing those on you because you're a rookie. You don't have any, you don't have any cred, right? You don't have anything built up in this league. They're just going to keep tossing flags on you and say, don't touch him rookie. And he's going to have to figure out how to adjust. And that's the next step in his development. We'll see. Like you said, rookies have peaks and valleys, but he's, he's going to get challenged this week because yeah, if I'm the chargers, I want Keenan on Tyreek like eight times in this yeah. game. All like, the time. We, yeah. And we got a question here. I'm guessing it's for you because it's a draft related question. That defender, is it advantageous for a college quarterback to finish their eligibility for the experience mm. instead of entering draft early? A guy like Bajan, obviously, ton of ton of passes in college. Sure. He need to, obviously, but you know, I, I mean, this goes to like a guy like Caleb Williams who's coming out. He's got some time left. So I, I think at some point when the league says you're a first round draft, you're you're coming out. I think that's true. And and great question, Denton. Thanks for sending it along. It really does vary by situation. It's not even by player, right? Because all the all the situations are different, right? If you're a quarterback 
and you have a lot of skills and you're stuck in a bad system and you don't want to transfer for whatever reason, even with the transfer portal, staying around for another year of, you know, handing the ball off and having 15 pass opportunities per game is not really going to up your NFL draft stock. Or if everybody that was a starter on your team just left and you're not going to have a great supporting cast, you can go slug it. You can go slug it away for another year in college. It's again, not advantageous to you. There are guys with very few starts in college. Anthony Richardson had 13 starts in college. He was ready. He's a first rounder. He came out. He showed it before he got hurt. Like that guy has it like hundred percent should be in the league right now. He's making throws that, you know, very veteran quarterbacks make. He can absolutely win you some games with his legs and his running style as long as he stays healthy. Like, so a lot of people have said, oh, and that was the thing is people said he was a project and that was the wrong label. Inexperienced, absolutely fairly. Yeah. 13 college starts, that's inexperienced overall. Project, no, he's a lot closer. He had a lot of just innate skill for being a quarterback. Pocket movement, um, keeping his eyes downfield. Ability to layer the ball in at all levels. Like he, he did throw a lot of rifle balls, but at the same time, you could see it from time to time that again didn't have a ton of reps, but didn't mean he couldn't do it. So for him, absolutely the right call. Ends up being a first round pick, shows out over the first month of the season. For him, like there was no reason to stay. He should be in the NFL. Other guys, um, we've even seen it with like Spencer Rattler. Like a lot of people were saying that Spencer Rattler was ready when he was at Oklahoma. I didn't think he was, you know, he either got some good advice or just didn't like the picture he saw in the draft ends up transferring, gets another year. It's absolutely helped him. I think he's a better quarterback now. I don't know if he'll be drafted any higher than he would have been because there's a lot of buzz around him and that's always a, a tough thing to pick through, but it really just does depend on the situation about, you know, is college helping you develop or is it just another year to earn your athletic department a bunch of money instead of yourself? Yeah. I mean, it happens. It's uh, but th oh, yeah. that, that, that position is so like, with, like, like I said, when the league says you're ready to go, you're ready to go. I mean, there's really no, no benefit to sticking around. You know, I, I know there's some talk of, you know, some, you know, guys staying and the NIL money's not the kind of money that, not if you're a first rounder. Yeah, not if you're a first rounder. That, that's gen like we, me and JB talk about in our show. That's generational wealth. If you're going to first round, especially if you're the first overall pick, that is a you're setting up your your family for life basically. Yeah. And, then, and then as soon as you, of course, the second contract, you're a year closer to it. Now we're talking. You know, what am a home signed for? You know, how many? Oh my goodness! You know, and every year these contracts get bigger. So yeah, these guys are coming out. Um, it's going to happen. So. Yeah, it really does depend to what that grade from the draft board is. If they say, hey, you're like a borderline fourth, fifth rounder. Yeah, you you absolutely consider staying in college, transferring to a different school, getting different opportunities like all, all that's on the table, you know, or maybe you're like, forget it. I just want to be a pro football player. I don't care what kind of money I'm making. I'm coming out because I'm going to get drafted. They're saying I'm draftable grade. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that make that decision too. And hey, if you could be a capable guy that is a clipboard holder, I mean, Tyson Bajan's a UDFA. Like he's going to be, if he keeps playing football like he does, and that's a huge projection because we've seen one game from him, but he seems like a calm, cool, collected guy that understands the game plan, can come in, execute at least a basic offense. Like that's the definition of a number two. 
in the NFL. Those guys hang around. Some of those guys hang around 14, 15, 16 years. Even if you're not making top money, if you're making, you know, backup quarterbacks are making anywhere between like four and eight million now. Yeah. If you're around for 16 years making four million a year because you're smart and capable and you don't freak out when you get thrown in the fire, it's a good living, man. It's good work if you can get it. Yeah, did you see the Chase Daniel breakdown? He broke down Tyson Bajan's game today. Chase, Chase Daniel, <laughs> the guy right there. You look at Chase Daniel. Yeah, Chase Daniel is in the NFL like business hall of fame, man. Oh that guy, man, made a ton that guy of cash. Yeah. Maximized his dollars per snap average. We, we got we got Twitter rumors. Caleb wants to play for team he chooses. Oh my god, the Twitter. Yeah, no, it's, Cloudy, it's so hard good to see you. Thanks for coming. Um, there is some truth to that and again every situation is different there's a lot of family influence with caleb there's a lot of family influence with a lot of quarterbacks that come yeah. out these days it, it, high level quarterbacks who are being considered as pro quarterbacks coming out of college are at this point a lot of times considered a family asset like it's a cold way to say it but they've been investing in that kid since he was like six years old to do this and if you are a high-level quarterback right now, um, that is somebody that is a four- or five-star quarterback that is going to Elite 11s, going to the Manning Pass. And Cat like, you're talking already about tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been invested in that kid before he ever gets to college. So by the time you're talking about paying that off by becoming a high-round draft pick, yeah, it's not usually just the kid going, I'll do whatever. Like There is some serious family influence there, very typically. With Caleb, it's a little, little bit more than that. Again, we're not in that room, but you know the general sentiment is there's a lot of family involvement. Um, we'll see how much weight that has. The idea that they would sit or force an Eli Manning like, I'm not going to play for you, I think that's possible in certain markets. I don't think it's possible in Chicago. Yeah, like No one's going to look at Chicago third largest market media market in the country, a sleeping giant in terms of the NFL wants Chicago to be good desperately because the league will be a lot better. If Chicago's good, hasn't been for a long time, got a new stadium on the horizon. If you win in this town, you're going to be the king of this city. If you're the yeah. number one overall pick, you're making 40 right, right now under the CBA, 40 to 50 million bucks is like pretty much G money guaranteed. Nobody's making 40 to 50 million in NIL. Like nobody. Period. Like it's I don't like care. Like 4 million. I, th I think I saw a thing the highest NIL guys like, you know, 4. Point something. Yeah, so, if yeah. you're really good, you're going to make 10 to 12 million in NIL over the the prime years for, of yeah, for the last thing. And right now, 40 to 50 guaranteed on the first contract and if you play well and win, you're going to own this city and your second contract is going to be Mahomes like. You are yes. if you are a decent to good quarterback that the Bears can win with, they're not letting you go anywhere because of the quarterback history in this town. If you throw for over 4000 yards, you're probably getting your second contract guaranteed. Yeah. Like I believe that yeah, if he was going to go to some backwater and they had a horrible team and it was a small market, he might say i'm not going to do that i'd rather stay at usc and make my 10 million off wendy's and everybody else that's not the case for chicago no like if he comes here and plays well which is what every high round quarterback wants to do like and there's always the possibility that 
you know, we've seen it just in three weeks of Caleb Williams play, right? He went from being the de facto number one, absolute, any team would pick him short of like five teams in the NFL who have, you know, again, basically very high round first round draft pick starter. Elite. Yeah. Right. The elite of the elite. Other than that, everybody would pick him number one overall with a bullet. Three weeks. He plays averagely. His performance under pressure number is low. His performance with a clean pocket number is extremely high. Now that's the case for a lot of quarterbacks, even NFL quarterbacks. But we've seen him go from completely untouchable sort of draft diamond to like, I don't know. You know what happens if that guy like tears his knee up? Yeah, He's in the backwater. Like all of a sudden he's a third round pick. So if he is staring at the potential possibility to go number one, have 40 or 50 million guaranteed and make a very good second contract, like you said, a year sooner, that's happening. There, I, the family at that point is going to stare that in the face and go, yep, that's cool. That pays it off. We're good. <laughs> but the Bears have nothing to worry about because Tyson Bajent has got a cannon. Oh, I don't, you know, <laughs> arm strength <laughs> is one of the most misleading quarterback traits out there. But Tyson Bajent has a lot of things that you actually like. He does have anticipation. My favorite yeah. thing from his initial start, um, besides just the efficiency that we talked about at the top of the show, is that his time to throw was high. And a lot of people will say, well, that's a bad thing, right? He's holding on to the ball too long. He's not seeing the field. In his case, it wasn't. His time to throw was high because he was actually going through his reads. A lot of times when he threw the ball, it was not a panic first read, whip it out there. It was like, I looked at one, I looked at two, three's kind of iffy. Coaches told me if it wasn't there, I can't take it. I'm going to the check down. But check down was literally four. And that takes a while to get through that. So his time to throw is a little bit higher, but it was for a good reason because he was literally scanning the field. You can see it from the all 22. He's like one, nope, two, nope, get rid of it. Not taking the sack, right? And that's great for a rookie. So yeah, he's got a big arm. We'll see if if he can unleash it. If he can, it's a different discussion. As of now, he's a great number two. He's not displacing... (laughs) anybody in terms of starter if you have a high round draft pick yeah i I just threw that graphic up because in his press conference uh, he mentioned he had a cannon and got a good chuckle out of the media guys there but um that's probably a good spot to end it we've been going an hour here how long do you guys usually go do you want to take this we go about an hour Uh, okay that's that's a good spot i want to thank everyone for jumping in um ej this is your show man i'm gonna let you close us out here though no, uh, I'm just happy to have you. This is uh, <laughs> for everybody that doesn't know. This is this is old home week. Like Lester is the first podcast appearance I ever went on. Yeah. T formation conversation. Um, he set me up with the first interview I was ever on outside of Windy City Gridiron. That was Ross Reed's old show, Mac and Reed, and it's oh, that's right. that's Yep, right. I subbed for you. You were like, "Hey, uh, man, can you?" And I was like, "Heck yeah!" Like, do you? Do a podcast, do radio? Sure, that sounds great. He helped me set up Bears Over Beers. He connected me with JB, and the two of us built this thing. Um, He got me to my first Senior Bowl. He got my first credential to go to the Senior Bowl. Um, So I couldn't be happier that uh, he is, you know, gracious enough to grace us with his presence for this show, sub for JB, run the controls. And how is that beer? I got to know. It's it's okay. (laughs) You know, it's it's a beer. You know, like I said, like you said earlier, I'm not a beer guy. You know, I, yeah. I'm just not a uh, 
Like if I am going to have an alcoholic beverage, I, I usually lean towards like the seltzers just because they taste well, better. Tell me. everybody what you really love. Uh, if, I, if I could find a Zima, like back yeah. in the day, I would go, <laughs> I would have a six pack in the fridge at all times. Cause you know, you can't beat a Zima, that nice crisp citrus flavor. Oh, it's just alcoholic it's, Sprite. It's, it's nothing like a, 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 a seltzer. That's what no, I'll, it is very I'll, different. Having had yeah, both say, seltzers and Zimas, um, yeah, I uh, strangely enough, one of my former work colleagues when I was in my 20s uh, had a thing for after work Zimas, usually on the ride home, which was not great. Uh, but no, I have had Zima. I've had seltzers of, of all flavors and, and Zimas were different. But uh, the thing that was dangerous about Zimas is they were sneaky. They were. They were super sneaky. Um, so the ice school creator, ice school brewing company out of Leavenworth, Washington, dirty face, Amber, 5% by volumes, great can art, um, really solid. I would say fall beer. It's a great sort of in between summer and winter, like winter beers are already here in terms of the porters and the stouts and heavy stuff. You want to be drinking on dark, cold days. That's already here. Amber's a nice break between the summer stuff, Pilsner's, you know, Corona and lime, whatever you're drinking in the summer when it's hot, you just want something light and refreshing. And like the leaves are out, it's nippy here. I don't know about where you are, whether it's getting cold yet, but like a little bit, yeah, almost frost on the pumpkin weather. Like an amber is a really nice bridge fall beer. Um, very happy to have it. Very happy to have you here. Very happy to have all of you here. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for the questions. And as always, we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>